This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good morning. It's Monday, January 13th, and you are listening to the College Football Daily, a 24-7 sports podcast dedicated to catching you up on and breaking down the day's college football news. I'm Connor Tapp, and last Friday on the podcast, we talked to some of our boots on the ground in New Orleans, Louisiana, Shea Dixon, and Anna Hickey on our big, massive national title game preview. So go check that out if you haven't already. Today on the podcast, we are talking to another set of our boots on the ground in New Orleans. We are talking to Chris Hummer, national college football writer and transfer portal whisperer. So let's go now to our conversation with Chris Hummer, and then on the other side, we will catch you up on just a handful of college football news items not related to the college football playoff final on Monday night in New Orleans. All right, we're talking now to 24-7 Sports National College football writer Chris Hummer, who's been in New Orleans over the weekend getting ready for the national title game on Monday evening for between LSU and Clemson. So, Chris, you've been there, been in the city, you've been talking to players and coaches about the game for this whole slew of features you've written over at 247sports.com. As you've kind of breathed the New Orleans air and interacted with the people who will be involved in determining who is the college football national champion. What, what, what's on your mind in terms of whether it's a storyline or like a matchup that you're interested in uh, on Monday night? Yeah. Well, two things first, um, from just like a storyline perspective, and we might get to this anyway, like LSU fans are all in, all in right now. This place is crazy. Like media day, they let fans in and like there was just hundreds of LSU fans like literally screaming at Joe Burrow and Ed Orgeron. A woman had Ed Orgeron sign her guitar and then was like crying when it happened, essentially. Like it was it's nuts. But um, when you kind of look. Well, let's stay there. Let's stay there for a second. So you uh, you wrote a story about how LSU has ended up playing a lot of postseason games in New Orleans and uh, and it, uh, this will not be their first time playing for a national championship in New Orleans. And so like what what is that experience like when LSU is playing for a national title in New Orleans? Well, like 2003 Heisman Trophy winner Jason White told me it was like a sea of purple. Um, he just remembers they got there a week early for the Sugar Bowl that year, and this was the BCS, so it was still a bowl system during the national championship process. And he just remembers seeing purple and LSU fans everywhere. They'd take the bus to practice, and there would be LSU bumper stickers. They would go out to dinner. There would be LSU fans as their waiters. It was just like a constant stream of it, and he really felt it wore on Oklahoma that week, and they ended up losing by seven points. Um, at the same time, I talked to a couple of other people who've played um, LSU in this similar situation. Um, Barrett Jones, 
uh, all American tackle and center for Alabama did so in 2011. Um, he said it didn't affect them at all, but you have to remember they had played LSU before and they wanted another shot at LSU after losing them early in the season. I think the difference in the game is like can Clemson kind of endure some runs. Jason White remembers the LSU like fan base just being so overwhelming during the game until late when they kind of really controlled the clock for a little bit and ran the ball, kind of take took the fans out of the stadium. But as soon as the play happened, LSU fans were back engaged and it was extremely hard to hear again. And it just felt like the whole world was against them. Uh, in Barry Jones's situation, he remembers the stadium that never really got a chance to explode. They just kind of waited for something to happen and it never did. L- LSU didn't cross the uh, 50 yard line until the eight minute mark of that game and Alabama dominated. So it's just going to be interesting to see how Clemson handles it. I, I have to imagine they fare pretty well. They've been in these situations before, but, um, this like situation that LSU is essentially playing a road game. A couple of Clemson players like Isaiah Simmons have called it worse than a road game. I think Dabo Sweeney did as well. So they're going to have to deal with a lot of extra stuff that doesn't usually occur in national championships for sure. So in terms of the game on the field itself, what all, all the attention media wise is going to be on Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow. Is there anything else that is jumping out at you as something that's especially interesting to keep an eye on on Monday night. Yeah, I've got a piece running in the morning, which I encourage hopefully everybody's reading 247sports.com anyway. But um, I've got a piece about the kind of the importance of the middle of the field in this game. And I know you're probably thinking like, duh, the middle of the field is important. You got to win in the trenches. Offensive line's got to be strong. Defensive line's got to get a push. But I think LSU and... Clemson are particularly mirrored in some ways. Neither one of them have an elite um, defensive line this season. Both of them have above average experienced offensive lines. Um, Both of them have an elite quarterback. Both of them have elite shutdown corners on the outside. Both of them have elite outside receivers. Where this game is going to be decided is kind of the middle of the field and how LSU and Clemson kind of manage to expose matchups. LSU particularly is really good at this. They work out of a lot of 11 personnel for those unfamiliar. That's one tight end, one running back and three wide receivers. And Thaddeus Moss, Clyde Edwards, Hilaire and Justin Jefferson, their slot receiver are as good as it gets in the country at making things happen inside. All three of them set LSU single season records for receptions at their position this season. They've kind of been this like unstoppable force in the middle, obviously aided a bit by Joe Burrow and how accurate he's been. But LSU just puts so much pressure on opposing teams with the way they kind of expose matchups in the middle that Clemson's going to be really hard-pressed to deal with that all game long, especially when you kind of consider that Clemson kind of lacks a true nickelback. Um, Isaiah Simmons, their kind of star defender, plays a little nickel. He's more of a linebacker than anything. He's played some safety, but he doesn't fit well there. Tanner Muse is going to get put there, their safety. But for the most part, like Clemson doesn't really have the dudes in the slot to match up when kind of LSU exposes those situations. And you can go to the, you can go to the opposite side of the ball too, and kind of look at Clemson and some of those matchups as well. Um, Carrie Vincent, LSU slot corner told me that 80% of the game would be decided kind of in the middle of the field in those situations. And it's, I think it's the most important kind of area to watch during the game and the most important aspect kind of to who's going to win. Staying on LSU's offense for a second, 
Justin Jefferson is going to be a player that's talked about a lot during the broadcast, one would imagine. Uh, and, you know, in going into the offseason, there will be attention on whether he is deciding to enter the NFL draft or come back for another season. And a lot of the narrative around that, I think we already know, if it if it hasn't already gotten there already, is going to be kind of dogging on his position in the recruiting rankings when he was coming out of high school in 2017. You talked to Barton Simmons about what, like, kind of what they're thinking on was uh, th- what they're thinking was on uh, Jefferson at the time, and how we got to where we got to, and talked to some 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 people who are kind of uh, from his background. So, what did you find out about how he ended up being a three star by twenty four seven, and I think a two by the others? Um, first I would like to clear up the storyline is going to come up, but 57.6% of five stars are eventually drafted at least from like 2014 to 2016 and 1.1% of two stars. So recruiting rankings certainly correlate to the draft, but, um, Justin Jefferson, um, as you said, is probably going to be an exception. Um, Justin's kind of a unique case. He grew up 30 minutes away from LSU. Uh, his two brothers played at LSU. Notably, his brother is Jordan Jefferson, the quarterback for that 2000, I believe, eight team that played for a national championship. Um, he kind of was always around that program, but he just didn't have any interest. Um, talking to kind of Barton and even Justin, um, they don't really know why he didn't get a ton of interest. Justin like didn't really have an answer. His high school coach speculated that it was grades. Um, Justin did have kind of uh, one class that needed to take during the summer to get him eligible. Um, Justin speculated size, but either way, like there just wasn't a ton of interest. He had three total FBS offers and LSU was just kind of always there in the background. They were willing to kind of wait for him. Uh, He took one class late and was able to enroll as a part of LSU's 2017 class. Um, we had him as a three-star recruit, um, Sonny Ship, um, one of our LSU writers uh, who also helps out with the rankings in Louisiana, uh, rated him as a three-star. And other companies, and I don't want to bash anybody, but rivals had him as a two-star, and ESPN didn't even rank him because he just kind of was that off the radar. Um, and I, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit, but Barden essentially said that sometimes when players do not have interest from schools that it's hard to kind of evaluate them because the kind of standard of evaluation for us is, is, is this person an FBS prospect? And if a player does not have a ton of interest from FBS schools, it's hard to give them much of a look. Justin Jefferson, despite his last name was one of those people who didn't have a ton of interest and he slipped between the cracks a little bit. Yeah. I I thought that quote from Barton was really interesting. And I think our recruiting team gets crap from fans sometimes who maybe don't really understand the process, but it, I mean, no, you don't want to just like give five stars to everybody that LSU and Alabama offer. But if like a whole bunch of LSU, Alabama, Michigan offer a kid, it's a signal that you, you know, might want to check them out. Like our, 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 the people involved in ranking players for us, I mean, it's maybe like a couple dozen uh, people who have some degree of say in, in what goes on there. And there are 130 FBS teams, each of which have their own people doing recruiting. So like, you're going to take whatever kind of cues you can get from, from yeah. those big networks of people. Of course, it's like it's an easy guideline. And as you said, we, everybody always jokes about 
that Bama bump. We hear it all the time, even on our message boards, people complain about it. But like Nick Saban over time has proven if he makes an evaluation, there's usually a reason why he extended that offer. And that's like kind of the basis of the guidelines our rankings team kind of makes, especially like early on in the process when you're trying to sort through the top of the class. The people who have those offers are usually worthy. And the only way you kind of find out about everybody else, like in the case of like a Josh Jacobs, who, if you remember, was essentially just like a nobody out of Oklahoma before his senior season until he blew up. Like you have to have boots on the ground to kind of find out about those people. Otherwise, they'll slip through the cracks too. Like college football almost missed out on Josh Jacobs. It took like it took a really serendipitous serendipitous circumstance for him to even end up at Alabama. And there's just always going to be cases like that because despite all the technology we have and despite all the avenues we have to find recruits, there are always going to be a couple guys for various reasons, be it grades, academic grades, behavior, or simply availability of playing time or late development. We're going to just not be as present as other people. And of course, the counter example to the Justin Jefferson scenario will be on the other side of the ball for LSU when Derek Stingley, I think the highest we've ever ranked a cornerback, and he is maybe the best defender of anybody has on the field tomorrow night. So uh, that is kind of an interesting contrast. Future, uh, future. I don't, know, I don't know about number one overall pick, but he is Derek Stingley is going to be the. I, in my opinion, he might not be the best player in the field, but he certainly is the safest NFL bet of anybody on the field. The dude's got it all. All right, Chris. Well, I, I don't know if you have – do you have like a prediction of what you think is going to happen? I, I didn't prep you for giving me a prediction, but, uh, you know, you, you got one? <laughs> yeah, I just sent our guy Brad Crawford my prediction for the game, actually. I think I had um, LSU by six. I think the line currently is sitting at five. I like the Tigers to cover slightly. Uh, I think it'll be like a 34 to like 28 game. I think it'll be high scoring, but I just, I don't, I just can't see Clemson. This defense is just not equipped this season with the front being not weak, but not as strong as it has been in the past to kind of contend with everything else you bring to the table. You know, one of my first college football related memories was people in South Carolina where I grew up making jokes about Clemson and LSU playing each other in the Peach Bowl in the, like, the <laughs> mid in the mid 90s. And everyone was like walking around saying, oh, well, you know, I think the Tigers are going to win this one. <laughs> so it's been it's been good to be able to uh, uh have that everyone do those jokes again. Um, I, I made the mistake earlier today writing a story that I mentioned Clemson, Auburn, and LSU in the uh, same paragraph. And I was just, <laughs> my, my brain was going to explode with the lack of the amount of Tigers in that small space. Yes, because like when when you're writing, you kind of want to mix up what you're calling the school you're writing about, and if you like have to stick with the team name all the time, and you can't alternate mascot or you know that, that gets tough. Yeah, I, I strongly, inc- I, I've I've never understood this, and we're getting way off subject. Why is not <laughs> LSU like the Gators? Like Gators are everything here in the Bayou. But anyway, uh, it's it's going to be a good day for all the dad jokes out there for sure. On all Monday. Right. Chris, you're in New Orleans covering the national championship game for us. Find Chris on Twitter. Follow his work on 247sports.com. Chris, thanks so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. A new report in the Miami Herald details a culture of partying on the Miami Hurricanes football team. According to players that spoke to the Herald, a few players on the team seem more concerned with partying than focusing on football, and a handful broke curfew the night before the FIU loss to go out. Sources that spoke to the Herald said head coach Manny Diaz is aware of the disciplinary issues on the team and is looking at implementing a three-strike system for breaking team drug rules. The last thing we want to mention today is that Wake Forest grad transfer quarterback Jamie Newman is on the move from Wake Forest to Athens, Georgia, where he will presumably become the Georgia Bulldogs starting quarterback for the 2020 season. This was a move that was long expected after following the announcement that Jake Fromm would be entering the NFL draft. In fact, Trey Scott and I even recorded part of an episode last week breaking down this news in anticipation of it arriving on Thursday, ended up arriving instead on Friday. So that uh, portion, that segment of our episode is lost now to the sands of time. And uh, you'll just have to visit the alternate reality where this news broke on Thursday instead to hear what Trey and I had to say about it, but I'm sure we'll say be saying a lot more about it in the in the days and weeks and months to come because Georgia is obviously going to be a major major player in the SEC East, the SEC, and in the national title picture next season. So that's going to do it for today's episode of the College Football Daily. My name is Connor Tapp. If you appreciate what we're doing, please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five star rating to show your support. For Chris Hummer, Trey Scott, and our producer, Tani Levitt, thanks for listening, and we'll see you late on Monday night when we recap the national title game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.